Good afternoon. This is Left Out on WRCT 88.3 FM. Left Out examines news and opinion that you don't find in the mainstream media. I'm Danny Slater. Normally my uh, co-host is uh, Bob Harper. He's not here today. Uh, later on in the program, uh, I believe that my um, producer will be joining me uh, to engage in discussion of a number of issues. Um, today we will not be monitoring electronic mail because that's usually what Bob does. Uh, instead, you can still call us at 412-621-9728. So we have a number of issues to discuss today, um, and uh, such as the new voting machines, which were unveiled and, and used in today's primary election. Uh, we'll be talking about that. Uh, we also can talk about Bush's um, so-called solution to the uh, so-called illegal immigrant problem. Uh, we can also be talking about... Um, the, the latest revelations in the NSA phone database um, fiasco. Um, so uh, I guess we can begin with um, with the voting machines because I, I assume a number of our listeners have um, have uh, probably voted or are about to vote, and then uh, we'll check out the new voting machines that we have uh, today. Uh, when I went to vote, I in fact I decided to opt out of the. Um, Opt out of using the new iVotronic electronic machines. Instead, I um, exercised my right to use a paper ballot. Uh, and so, um, well, actually, it turned out I was the first person at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the first person who had been there all day long who had requested a paper ballot. So I got a paper ballot. I voted uh, with a pen, and everything was fine, although it took them about five minutes to find the ballots since nobody else had, had used them. Um, a friend of mine has used uh, voted on the iVotronic machine and uh, had a couple of comments, and I think maybe Matt Horniak, uh, who also voted today, who's our producer. Matt, are you there? I'm here. Uh, thanks for joining me today and uh, trying to help out since Bob is not around. Uh, so uh, what was your experience with the new super-duper iVotronic uh, electronic paperless machine? Well, uh, the first thing I felt was, uh, geez, did this thing actually record what I did? I mean... Uh, and the old voting machines, just uh, you know, looking at them and using them, kind of give you a feeling that uh, you know, you turn the lever, you pull the you pull the string on it, and uh, in the back of the machine, a huge sheet of paper would stamp down the vote. Uh, this thing, uh, the people who are working uh, the uh, the polling place I went to, I don't want to uh, you know complain about them as individuals, but I, I think maybe they weren't trained very well because you know they they. By the time I went there, must have been two, three o'clock. They certainly had at least a few people come by. They still didn't know how to work the machines. And then when you get to the machine itself, it's slow, laggy. Like I said, you don't really know what's going on with it, other than at the end, a flashing light goes on behind the vote button, and you push that, and then supposedly your vote's recorded. But uh, man, uh, you know. So it's it's, a la it's laggy. I didn't actually use the machine, but this, it seems odd that a dedicated machine that does something so simple as uh, displaying some buttons and and uh, recording which ones you press on the screen would be laggy. Yeah, it seems it like it should take a microsecond to put that stuff up. Yeah, it, it it had the feel of a computer from the early '80s. You could actually watch the screen draw slowly. You know. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. So uh, one of the comments that my friend made was that um, after he completed his voting. Then he had to push a switch that wasn't on the touchscreen. That's right. It's external to the touchscreen. But then it makes a nice sound. You think, hey, great, I voted. Man, it chunked it. It must be good. It must have saved it. But you're not done yet. That's right. Then you got to go back and do confirm. That's right. And they can go back and change your mind again after that. Like it's the, the, 
the terminating process is kind of confusing. That's right. Um, you know, the it it you know, I don't know if I hope everyone listening voted, but uh for you know, those of you who didn't or those of you who used the paper ballot instead, I mean right away from the first thing they do, it kind of uh eliminates any confidence you have in the system. There's this uh large box they carry over to the voting machine, kinda looks like a rubber stamper. They put that in the voting machine to turn it on, uh, and right there, the the people working on the machine, like, when do I take that out? Do I take it out now, or do I take it out later? Turns out they're supposed to take it out after they pick whether you're a Democrat or Republican. Then they take it out, and you see a whole list of candidates slowly drawn to the screen. You pick the one you want. If you change your mind, suddenly, you know, like I thought, okay, just push the, you know, different uh, name of the different uh, candidate. No, if you do that, it you yells overvoted. at you. Yeah, it yells at you. You yeah. overvoted. Yeah, it actually takes away the whole screen and slowly draws up another screen that says, hey, you need <sighs> to remove a vote first. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't remember. This is just the part that we can see. Exactly. This is what's going on inside, of course. We have mm-hmm. no idea how crufty that is. Yeah, no idea. Nobody nobody really knows. I mean, uh, you know, the nice thing about old voting machines is that uh, anyone – you know, more or less could see that it's working. You know, people could see, you know, open it up and say, you know, hey, look, there, there's that thing, you know, there's the vote, stri- you know, struck on that sheet of paper with ink. Or somebody could say, looks like that gear's loose, looks like a lever's loose. This thing, uh, you know, like like you say, you know, nobody really knows what's going on. Even, you know, I, I have a lot of experience with computers, and, and I know you do too. And, uh, you know, we can't stand there and look at the machine and say, oh, this is what it did because it's a black box. So uh, we're talking about the voting machines uh, that were used today in the primary, the new machines that were used for the first time in Allegheny County. You can give us a call. Uh, if you have any experience with that, we'd be interested in hearing about it. Call us up at 412-621-9728. Um, now, now, you said that you used a paper ballot, and I, you know I thought that was interesting because uh, um, I was told by uh, there's a volunteer for uh, election protection uh, standing outside, and and after I left the polling place, he told me that uh, they were supposed to offer me a, a paper ballot, uh, and they didn't even mention that one was available. And uh, you know, if if this had been a I guess a more serious election, I, I I would have really not appreciated been you know you know the lack of the offer for that. But uh, you know, I wonder if uh, that reflects anybody else's experience. I mean, were you when you went to vote, did they offer you a paper ballot, or did you ask for one before they had the chance to mention that they had them? No, they didn't offer me one. Um, huh. In fact, after I said I wanted it, they kind of were looking at each other and didn't know what to do and literally took five minutes for them to find. I had to wait. They said, could you wait for a while? And I said, okay. Um, uh, and I waited five minutes literally while they searched through several boxes and envelopes and so on. They finally found the ballots, and they were all wrapped in plastic, and they had to rip open the plastic, and they finally gave me a ballot, um, which was actually very easy to use, extremely legible, very obvious how to mark the ballot, and um, that that's the that that's that's ballot will be read by an optical scan machine later on, and then they'll have a paper record of my vote. So um, that was, I thought, a very satisfactory thing, and that that was the system that I was advocating, the system that that where you have a precinct-based optical scan, so that the um, you once you mark your ballot, you go to a reader, you read it in right there, it tells you immediately if you've got a problem or not, and then. Um, if you don't have a problem, it just reads it right in and puts it into a box, and now you have a paper record, as well as a, as a which is the, the voter's intent, very clearly marked. Do we have a call there, uh, uh, Matt? 
we do have a caller. Uh, Susie is calling. Uh, are you there, Susie? Yes. Hi there. How you doing? Hey, pretty good, thanks. So what's up? Okay, so I voted on the new machines today, and I have to say, A, I miss the old retro machines. They seem <laughs> so solid and tactile. You know, you had a sense that your vote was really being taken. Um, and I, what I liked about the old machine that I missed in this one is that you could see all the parties' names and, um, and other parties. You know, so I don't know how they're going to reconcile, um, you know, if you're not Democrat and you're not Republican and or if you wanted to vote Green or Libertarian, you used to be able to see everybody's name. And it, I like that as well because it gave you a sense of diversity in the political uh, choices. Um, the machine itself, the experience of voting on it, I didn't find it that slow uh, in the redraw, and it, it was pretty um, straightforward. Yeah, maybe I had a bum machine then. And people up in Fine View uh, had a good handle on how to use it. So all in all, I guess it was, I missed the old stuff, but um, it was an okay process. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the main complaint I, I, I have against the machines is, uh, you know, like I said, I do a lot of work on computers, so I, I, I know that more than, you know, you know, most people don't like computers, but I really don't like computers, and I really don't trust them because, you know, I, I know all the ways they can fail. I mean, I think... Uh, you know that's what what comes with actually working on them, and you know I I just have no confidence when I put that in there. But um, you know it's interesting to hear that your your machine operated faster. I mean I wonder even with that, you know why it was mine slow but yours was fast. Theoretically, these should all be identical if it's set up the right way. Mm-hmm. Okay, well thanks for uh, for calling us. Hey, you're welcome. Okay. So uh, yeah, the big issue that that we've talked about here on Left Out, and and that there's uh, we've had a number of uh, discussions with uh, experts on this, um, this whole problem of uh, not having a paper trail, um, and the fact that um, the um, uh, the potential for both errors, um, both computer errors, uh, for misconfiguration of the machine, uh, crashes, um, or some sort of nefarious uh, you know, tri- overtaking of the control of the machine. All of those possibilities are there. Uh, that that we that that uh, those things are mitigated by having a paper trail where you can actually do a real recount. Um, especially in this day and age, when there are so many so many people are becoming more and more suspicious of of what's going on in our, with our elections, with all the debacles that have occurred in, in the Florida election. You know, plus they're also close. I mean, all it takes is you know, you know, it doesn't take a, a lot votes. of mischief. It takes a little bit of mischief to throw the election. Yeah, yeah. So one of the one of the misconceptions that the mainstream media has tried to tried to preserve is that uh, you know that Gore would still have lost the election uh, in Florida uh, after the recount, but actually that's not true. In fact, the, the actual studies done by the New York Times. And other newspapers um, show that if the full statewide recount in Florida had been done, Gore would have won, and um, that 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 was across the board. Whether you counted hanging chads one way or a different way, whether you counted dimples one way or a different way, or overvotes or undervotes, however you did it, Gore won when you did a statewide recount. Um, so um, the only conditions under which Gore didn't win was when certain subsets were recounted, which is Gore when he filed his complaint was suggesting certain counties be recounted. Those counties would not have given him enough, but of course the whole state should be recounted. If you've got a difference of a couple hundred votes, you got to recount the whole state because those hundred votes can come from anywhere. Sure, and, they and, have to recount the whole state. And, and then you know, of course, they're going to be applying different rules to wherever they're going to be doing a recount. So if they just apply those rules to one area, then you no longer have you know the same r- rules applied to all areas, and that 
you know, it sounds a lot to me like people who, you know, they always do these polls and they're supposed to have random sampling. You have random sampling because then it's the same rule everywhere. Now you have different standards for different counties and, you know, who knows really how the votes were counted. You know, it doesn't make sense that they do yeah. that. So, um, yeah, there's a lot more to talk about with voting. I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a million things to talk about with that. But, so for example, uh, on Democracy Now! yesterday, if any of you heard that program, Amy Goodman had uh, Greg Palestan, who's a kind of executive, uh, a um, investigative journalist um, who has done incredible work uh, in all kinds of areas. And one of his, the first most famous work he did was in Florida when he he exposed the whole felons list, where uh, the Secretary of State Catherine Harris, who's now running for the U.S. Senate, um, she um, had orchestrated this this list of voters uh, of felons who. Um, uh, were going to be removed, uh, not allowed to vote, but th- this, it was set up in such a way as to eliminate as many black voters as possible, whether or not they were felons, from the list. <laughs> and that there were more people on that list than, of course, the difference in the um, in the, uh, the, the 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 result of the election. Um, but Greg Palace is now talking about what's hap- what's going to happen in 2008 and his theory. And I think they're going to have the rest of the interview. Um, actually, I didn't hear Democracy Now today, so I don't know if they did it today or not. But it, he's, his theory is that what's going on with this NSA wiretapping, not, and wire, well, not just wiretapping, but the phone database, has to do with trying to help to get control of the next election, to find and isolate and con- get voters to disenfranchise certain voters and disenfranchise certain voters. That's what Greg Palace thinks that the whole thing is really about. So does he explain how they would do that sort of, you know, on the sly, how they would be able to... Uh, you know, take the, you know, secret NSA data that they've got now and put that into some kind of like public process or some kind of way that uh, it makes it to, you know, the states. I don't know. Okay. That's so, yeah. I mean, I guess it's premature for me to talk about this since I don't know what he just has a new book out. Uh, Gosh, what is it called? uh, Yeah, I I forgot the name. I can put up a link on the website. But anyway, he's, um, He's got a new book, which I have to read uh, to, to, to really talk about. That's a good thing we should put on for an, a later program on Left Out. Um, so uh, you can give us a call at 412-621-9728. Uh, so let's see. We've got the NSA phone database. I mean, we can talk about that for a couple of minutes. Um, so I guess there's a lot of confusion out there. Well, sort of deliberate confusion in a way because we don't know what we have so little information about what um, what they're actually doing. But the latest revelation, the USA Today revelation, had to do with storing an immense database of call logs, just, you know, phone numbers and which number was called which other number when. What you got on your phone bill, basically. Yes. Um, one thing that I'm curious about, and nobody I've seen comment on this, is whether or not they got the cell phone logs. Now, the cell phone logs have more... Of course, your phone bill just has, you know, when you received and sent, you know, made calls and how long they were. But with cell phones, you also know, the phone company also knows where you are. To within like 20 feet even in a lot of cases. Yeah. <laughs> so they know where you are, even if you're not making a call. Because it has to know where your phone is in order to make your phone ring when you get a call. So that database uh, may also have been, I mean, why wouldn't they? Yeah. Why would they not have picked that up too? Now, I mean, know. is there any real, while they're getting a dump of everything, 
Why not get that information? That's pretty useful. Well, so so I called up uh, Singular and uh, and uh, what I was told by a, a customer service rep, and you know, of course, this is one customer service rep talking, could not actually be the case, was that the laws for cell phones are different than the laws for landlines. And what they're doing with the landlines is they're using existing provisions for law enforcement. So I, I actually didn't know this until I, I talked to this guy and I looked this up and it's true. So for landlines, there's this thing called a pen register. And basically, if a police investigation is going on, they don't need a warrant to get the call logs. The police don't need a warrant to get the call logs. They can just tell the phone company, hey, we need the, you know, we're doing an investigation we need the call records for you know such and such a number, and they can get it. You know, like on CSI. That's yeah, that kind of thing. They've got a specific person. They want to know who he he or she was calling. Okay, fine. But that, that's how can that be? What? How does that relate to getting the entire exactly database? Yeah. That's not the same thing at all. Yeah. So the, so the the guy on the phone that was saying that those laws, and I, I looked this up too, and this is right. These laws don't exist for cell phones. That there's no pen register for uh, for cell phones. There's no pen register law for cell phones. So. They can't just do that, and that the existing cell phone privacy regulations would prevent that. And he said, you know, Singular doesn't do this. Verizon also said that they didn't say anything about their landlines, and, you know, they're known to be involved. But they explicitly said for their wireless lines that they're not involved with it, as did T-Mobile. And um, Sprint also said that they weren't involved with it. Um, You know, can you trust what they say? You know, I think you need need to go over their statements with a lawyer and figure out, uh, you know, if they've uh, come up with a good way of parsing those statements so that uh, they can be giving all their calls and all their information in the NSA without it. But right now, all the wireless companies are saying they're not involved. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> who knows? I though? guess that's good news. I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, it's funny because uh, years ago there was that total information awareness program. And uh, the whole point to that was they were going to take phone calls and credit card records and public records, and they were going to find a terrorist pattern of behavior and a non-terrorist pattern of behavior by mining public and quasi-publicly available information. And uh, Congress killed that. They said that, oh, that's too much spying. Uh, There was an article uh, about four or five months ago, and I want to say it was in... Harper's, but it could have been somewhere else. Um, but if you, you go on Google, you can find this pretty easily. So um, some institutions, some academic institutions, some defense um, um, contractors who were involved with this after Congress said no more total information awareness, um, they were told that, yes, the program had been canceled, but we're starting a new program that, that just happens to be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the new name of the program is Basketball. So if you go on Google and you you know look for total information awareness in basketball, you can find out that this program never really went away. And I would imagine that whatever they're doing with this program is part of that. I mean, even uh, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, ABC reported yesterday that uh, one of their one of their journalists, Brian Ross, um, was contacted by a, a law enforcement source, either FBI, CIA, or NSA, um, and they made. A, made a point to say in person, contacted in person to be told, and he was told, change your cell phones because apparently uh, the CIA, as part of a leak investigation, has been using these records. They're already using these records that the NSA is collecting to figure out 
who's leaking the information, who are the whistleblowers. You know, mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out from this NSA information already which of their employees are talking to the press. So they're already doing, you know, shady things with this stuff, and that's probably just the tip of the iceberg. It's already creepy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we got a few more things to talk about here. Uh, you can give us a call at 412-621-9728. I'm Danny Slater talking with Matt Horniak um, about recent events. Um, so um, Bush unveiled his great new program for dealing with the 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 massive influx of illegal immigrants into the United States. Uh, illegal, in quote-unquote. Um, that's the more derogatory term to use, an alternative method is to call them, uh, ter- term, the alternative terminology is uh, to say undocumented. Um, the war on brown people. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a hilarious um, uh, op-ed, uh, on the, I think it was Fox News, by Charlie Gibson. Have you heard of Charlie Gibson? Um, I think that's his name, or maybe some, I, somebody Gibson. Oh, never watched yeah. Fox News. I'm trying to remember his name, but I, I think I know um, what you're referring to. Yeah, he he started talking. He was on a rant saying, telling people you have to have more babies because by 2025 there'll be more Latinos than whites in this country. It's like, Ugh. and oh, and then Savage, uh, <laughs> Michael Savage, is going on about how when that happens, they're not going to be as nice to us as we are to them. <sighs> Amazing. Yeah, and then there was an editorial on a on a on a popular right wing news site, Newsmax, talking about how and and I'm not joking about this. This is absolutely frightening. So just in case you didn't think all of this attention was racist, you'll you'll know it now. Um, that how come how come Bush and how come the government claims that they have such a hard time removing illegal immigrants if Germany could remove six million Jews in such little time? Uh, and they weren't joking. And I just can't believe, you know, like he didn't say in the article how they removed them. You know, of course, that's one of history's great horrors. But it's, it's, though, it's, it's though that's something we should be striving to emulate. Yeah, just amazing. I just can't believe, you know. Unbelievable. I, yeah, like, like I said. No, the whole thing, the fabric of this country yeah. is made of immigrants. Yeah, I mean. I, I mean, what do you, people have been, people, they, they set down roots. They're here for years. They start families. They're, they have jobs. They have, they own things. They have houses. They they're part of the infrastructure. If once after several a number of years have passed, it's insanity to say that they have to leave. Yeah, no, I mean it's 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 ruthless. It's 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 um it's in and what's the right word? I mean it's 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 inhuman. Yeah. Um, there was a, one of the Democracy Now stories was about a woman. This is unbelievable what they did. A woman who came over when she was four years old, grew up in this country, went to school. And somehow she went to get her, uh, went to an immigration office to get, to make sure she was valid because she wasn't sure how, what her status was. And they ended up deporting this woman. Oh boy. She was married. She'd gone and she was an American as far as she was concerned. And I presume they didn't deport her or then when they deported her, she went back to a non-English speaking country. And right. if she was here since she was four, I, I bet she didn't exactly have a good grasp yeah, of her I, native I, language. I, she went, she was told to go back to Guatemala for some reason. Ah, Great. Where maybe her grandparents lived, or some other thing like that, but it was just um, a completely weird thing, and it was basically a quota. They they want us, you know, <laughs> get their quotas up, you know, so that Bush can have his, you know, his numbers up to for his Republican base to to make them feel good that wow, we're getting rid of these these terrible, you know, 
illegal illegal aliens. They love to use the word illegal all the time. But what I was listening to the Tom Hartman show, which is a uh, talk program on uh, one of our com- competing radio stations, the AM thirteen sixty talk radio. He's on every day from like noon to three o'clock. He's a really great guy. It's Tom Hartman, the liberal uh, firebrand. Um, and uh, one of the things he said was that the way to stop illegal immigration is to crack down on the jobs. I mean, these, the, what's happening is these people are coming over for the jobs with mostly with big, huge multinational corporations, the big agribusinesses, the the, the meat, you know, packing industry, uh, other big industries like that. Um, was it was it Walmart who had a you know, was it, was Walmart using these people for construction? Because it was a construction they industry, were. yeah, and in their stores too. They were using them for they were giving them construction jobs, and of course, it's wonderful for these these these. Uh, these businesses, because you get to pay these people, you know, and then, you know, they're afraid of going to the cops because they you know. can't go to the cops. They can't join a union. They're, they're yep. completely under the thumb of the business. Yeah. So the reason. So, I mean, the Hartman's point was very simple. You want to stop the immigration, crack down on the jobs, crack down on the corporations who are who are creating the jobs for these people. And, and that's why there's this beautiful wedge happening right now where, where Bush is really stuck, because now I think you've got the for the first time. You've got a, a where the, the, the really hardcore, um, you know, quasi-fascist uh, right-wingers are actually opposed to corporations for once. You know, they have a position that's opposed to a corporate position. And, and Bush wants to appease the corporations with uh, the guest worker laws. Um, uh, you but know, that's not going to appease his base. Exactly. His conservative base. They're really, really, they don't like it. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of the electorate, I think there is some truth to that. That uh, if if the the immigrants do eventually become citizens and do exercise their right to vote, they're probably more likely to to not vote for the conservative. That's right. right. That's why Bush likes so, this um, guest worker stuff because then they don't get to vote. You know, they get all the benefits of the uh, you of know the cheap labor and all cheap, that cheap almost slave labor. And uh, yeah, it'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is Left Out on WRCT, and uh, we're talking about a number of different issues. If you want to give us a call, our number is 412-621-9728. We'll be very happy to take your call because uh, today was a tough day to get the uh, the program put together. Lots and lots of stuff going on, uh, plus uh, Bob was unavailable to uh, to help out today. Um Let's see a couple of more issue uh, items that uh, unless you have more to say about the immigration. Uh, no, I think that's good. Border the border thing. Oh, oh yeah, well, the, the solution. Thing. Yeah, the solution. Wait, what? what? Oh, I was like, I was, tell, I was telling um, Danny before the show. This is all a big ploy to get Bush his speech last night. It's all a big ploy to to get his numbers up. There's a, a great article in Time about a month ago saying that the entire point of this plan is so that Bush can kind of repeat his. Uh, aircraft carrier mission accomplished thing so that now instead of being aboard an aircraft carrier and that's a you know a mission he could lose now he's going to be at the border on an atv with um you know national guard soldiers holding their weapons around him maybe bush will get to hold a gun too so this is all just you know yet another uh you know greatest photo photo ops in the world from 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 the bush administration right well as stephen colbert said that um that we were safe, you know, in our feeling of safe and secure, knowing that this country can put together the greatest photo ops in the world. Yeah. That was a so, uh, you know, such a 
and and you know powerful the, point that Colbert made. So now you know the best part to me with all this is six thousand National Guard troops, and uh, I seem to remember there's a city that that kind of flooded. You know every you know New Orleans, where uh, you know Bush just couldn't get those National Guard troops to New Orleans to yeah. clean things up, and there's still a lot of work that needs to be done there, but. Uh, you know, as long as, you know, troops are being used as photo ops, they can put them anywhere. But, uh, you know, put them to work. Uh, and, and I'm sure the troops don't like being used as uh, props either. But, uh, yeah, mm. the New, New Orleans continues to sink. But then uh, the men who could, uh, men and women who could, could solve that, uh, they'll be standing on the borders yeah. as Bush's props. It's amazing. Another, another point that Tom Hartman made about this was the fact that, well, we could also just pay, f- and not only not only Hartman, actually uh, Schwarzenegger. Oh yeah, he that's said, right. "Why don't we hire more border guards? You know, the Border Patrol—that's a per- perfectly legitimate organization. Well, of course, those people you have to pay real wages. Those <laughs> yep. people that they have pensions, they have you know. Whereas the National Guard, you know, you can just bring them in. Uh, they're 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 under conscription. You you can't you don't have to pay them very much. That you you know." Um, but it's not a long-term solution. Plus, they don't wear those uniforms. That's what Bush is all about. Those just, you know. Oh, they want the army, the military uniforms. That's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, anyway, um, you have any comments on that issue? Give us a call at six two one nine seven two eight. So, uh, something that was just mentioned uh, to me, I got noticed this recently posted item on a um, website called informationclearinghouse.org. Um, in 2002, August 2002, there was a, I believe, some kind of a big fundraising event in um, in Portland, Oregon, where Bush came and a lot of other big wigs came there in Portland uh, to um, to hobnob and to you know raise money and for 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 these rich people to have Bush's ear. Uh, it was a hotel downtown Portland, and a big demonstration was um was planned for that time, and um. Demonstrators were there with their huge sign, their signs, and they were marching in a certain area that was all cordoned off. That was, you know, the where they were supposed to be. They were peaceful. They were chanting noisily, but they were peaceful, and they had signs. Um, and uh, then the police attacked them. Ah, shock! And the they started spraying with pepper spray, uh, using batons, rubber bullets, and 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 uh, uh, it was just a a police riot. Now, what happened? The way it was reported in the news was. Somebody in the crowd threw a bottle. Yes, that's what it reported over and then, and the as if that can justify it in the first place. Those evil bottles. Yeah, you know? right. So you've got these cops with full riot gear, two-inch thick padding all over their bodies, helmets with glass, plexiglass shields in front of their faces. I mean, they look like what was that robot called in um, in a RoboCop? They look like RoboCop. They're, they're, they're oh, yeah. Menacing looking, black, you know. Uh, anyway, so uh, this was the story, and the news, the news got out. Uh, the news was reported, you know, the national news, over and over again. Reported, it was an unruly crowd. They were had to be contained by the police. It went on and on like this. Well, the people who were there knew this was bogus. They didn't believe it. Well, they've gotten a hold of some video Yay. that's been um, the police videos. Now, the police at these demonstrations use a lot of video cameras, and they very carefully look at looking at the different demonstrators. They try to get their face. If they can't get their face because it's covered up by a mask or something, they look at their shoes and their clothes and so on to try to, to get you know to identifiable marks on them. 
And uh, they got a hold of the some police video footage, you know, a lot of footage. And the beautiful thing about this is you can hear the police. You can look at the way they're panning the camera, zooming in on people's faces, zooming in on their shoes. They put together a little documentary using all of this police video showing all of this stuff. And you can also hear the cops talking to each other. So uh, it's, a, it's a really, really scary video because it shows the way the police, um, uh, what, what actually happened. So not only are they trying to zero in on who these people are, when they, before the attack, the police are talking. And they're talking about how they're, what they're going to do. They're, they're out, there's one policeman there. He's on a video camera telling the others what they're going to do. First, spray the pepper spray. <laughs> Push them over toward that direction. Then, if that doesn't work, use your batons. And then, if that doesn't work, use the pepper balls, whichever, whatever the hell they are. Those are bullets filled with pepper spray. So they explode and make pepper spray they, coming out? or they? Yeah, they, when they make contact with your skin, then the, the package, you know, it's like a paintball with pepper spray in it. Think of it that way. So it, it makes a big puff of this toxic, Yeah, on your skin, stuff. Yeah. seeps through it. <sighs> and, you know, I think you said rubber bullets, you know, just to, in case anyone has never seen anyone hit with a rubber bullet, think of it more being hit with, like, a, a BB pellet, a really large BB pellet. It breaks the skin, leaves a huge bruise, can break bones. But uh, okay, so what? So what happened was they've got on on video, policemen telling the others what they're going to do, and then they've got on film them doing it. Okay, it was a police riot. There's a peaceful crowd. There was no bottle thrown. There was nothing going on there that would have required any response, and it was all planned. You could see the policemen simply just giving the instructions. The crowd was behind him. There was nothing happening. He was explaining to the rest of the cops what they had, what they had to do. So, I mean, it was um, really an outrage. Um, apparently, according to this, this documentary, I'll put a link to this on our leftout.info website, uh, that there was a the meeting upstairs among all of the bigwigs with Bush and, and, uh, and stuff. Um, well, they could hear the demonstrators chanting downstairs, and this was annoying. Yeah, it's really annoying to hear those nasty demonstrators downstairs. And we're billionaires and millionaires, and we don't need to hear that. So we're going to send in the Gestapo and beat the what out of them. Yeah. Anyway. Like Bush says it would be easier if he was a dictator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll put a link on our webpage uh, for this video. It's a really, a really scary, about a 10-minute uh, little documentary about made of footage from the from the police, the police um, video cameras. I'm not sure how they got that. Maybe there was a, a lawsuit or something, and they had discovery, and they had to give up the uh, the uh, the video footage. You know, it, this reminds me, um, a couple months ago, maybe it was longer than that, I'm bad with dates, um, the New York City police got in trouble because, um, if you might recall, the uh, Republican National Convention had a lot of uh, issues. The uh, protesters showed up. They uh, made a protest. The cops didn't like that. Well, it turns out that the uh, protesters started out being peaceful and then got violent. And uh, contrary to the media reports, the or at least you know TV news tends to be lazy. Uh, who started the protests? The cops you, did. You mean the violence? The violence started by the cops. Yeah, the violence was started by the cops. And now you mentioned video, and that's what made me think of this. So the cops used the video in court. 
and uh, the video has uh, some interesting edits in it. And the police assured the judge, assured the court that uh, they didn't make any you know, material edits. Well, turns out that was a complete lie. They edited very significant parts of the video out that show things like cops being the first to push, cops running their motorcycles over protesters, you know, cops, at, you know, firing pepper spray unprovoked. You know, they someone got their hands on, much like in this case, the actual unedited raw footage and found there was some very vast differences from what the police testified in, under oath to in court mm-hmm. and what really happened. And just like what, what you're talking about, the cops made a conceited effort to provoke violence among the protesters, actually started hurting protesters unprovoked. And then when some of the protesters tried to defend themselves, and, and I'm going to even use that word defend themselves loosely because in a lot of cases they were just struggling and on the ground taking taking the abuse – Cops said, hey, look, the protesters are starting violence. But in reality, it was just a scam and just a big lie set up by the NYPD to try to get the protesters in jail mm-hmm. and, and hurt a lot of them. Yeah. So, uh, right. Well, I mean, that's just and it's an amazing thing that, that this isn't getting more play on the mainstream media. This isn't getting, as far as I know, any substantial play on the mainstream media. The The fact that the cops have done this repeatedly and in documented, undisputable form um it's interesting that they do take these videos um and that those videos are kept and so the police should really know there should be some kind of honesty in the whole system so the police know that um the um uh that they can't do stuff like that because it's there's a record there's a recorded record of their behavior um well, I guess uh, Matt got a phone call and he he ran out of the room for a second. So uh, we have to go on to we have to I'll have to keep talking by myself and um, keep this going. If you have any ideas, uh, any any thoughts you have, feel free to share them with us. You can give us a call at four one two six two one nine seven two eight. Are you back? I'm back. Okay. There's no call. <laughs> okay, no call. Um, yeah, I was just saying that the. Um, you know, the police should learn that the, 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 the records should be kept in a way that they can be used, sort of. Uh, they should be made, actually, as a matter of course in any police action and That's kept right. archived well, you know, for this purpose. Thank God the protesters bring video cameras. Um, I was at a protest in uh, 2002, I think. It was in um, no, it was 2002. It was in Washington, D.C., and the cops, much like this, decided in advance, chief of police and the mayor of D.C. decided in advance that they were going to arrest the protesters no matter what. And so we were all in uh, Pershing Park in D.C. Um, the most violent act being committed at that time were people beating on plastic buckets, using them as drums. The cops surrounded the place on one side with horses, the other side with motorcycles, and proceeded to um close the box, you know, close in on people, ride over people's feet with motorcycles, etc. Um, people got that on video. And, uh, you know, you. in fact, it's kind of funny. The police didn't, they tried to take away people's video cameras. They didn't huh. get them all. And uh, a lot of this footage was used in court. Um, and most recently it was used in January. Um, there's still a legal action against the city. Things haven't resolved four years later. Um, they're holding the police chief personally liable for all of this, because he willfully took away a lot of people's rights that day. Um, we were all held um, 24 hours 
um, for failure to disperse, even mm. though, of course, no order to disperse was given. Well, you were tra- you were also trapped and surrounded. Exactly. We we I actually I asked, and a lot of other people asked if they could leave, and uh, no one would respond to us, and they just took us all away on buses to the police academy, uh, hogtied us. You know, they had those plastic handcuffs. They handcuffed our hands to our feet, um, kept us like that for you know twenty four hours. Uh, not a not a fun experience, but... Uh, you were handcuffed for 24 hours? Yeah, handcuffed for 24 hours, except when I had to go to the bathroom. And even... Ugh. Yeah, it was, uh, it was amazing. You can't itch. You're, you can't scratch your itches. You can't... Nothing. And oh, when I say God. handcuffed, I mean my hands were handcuffed to my legs for 24 hours. So me and 600 other people, up till that point, it was the largest uh, one-day arrest since uh, Vietnam. And, and as I said... Nothing bad happened, and the, the the it's so bad that the courts are actually holding, uh, you know, the chief of police is personally liable. Aside from you know the city being liable, he will have to uh, you know answer to the court, you know, outside of being part of the police force. But uh, yeah, a lot of people I know, some people would video, um, some people who uh, were CMU students, they videotape things like uh, their friends being dra- after being handcuffed, being dragged down flights of steps, and the cops broke their collarbones. Mm. So, well, it's amazing. you know, we're really, we're really, you know, uh, hitting the police here. And I don't want to, I don't want to assert that all cops are bad. No, no. And I, I, I feel bad about that because I know that's not true. And we yeah, depend, same here. We depend on the police. Most of the time we, we need them and they, and they, they, most of the time they do a good job. Well, you know, but, to, but, to balance this, when I was, when I was on one of the buses, uh, being held, a few cops went on, they apologized to us. They said, yeah, we know things are shady. You know, you know, someone said, uh, you know, why are you doing this? And he said, because they'll fire me if I don't do it. You know, and he actually proceeded to list for us how things were bad that day. You know, he said, you know, they uh, the arresting officer on the form is supposed to be someone who was actually present. And he said, here they are. They're forcing me to put my name on this form. And I wasn't actually there. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to blame, you know, the police as a whole for this because certainly they're, you know, you know, individuals aren't responsible. But what I see in all these cases, somebody in charge, you know, the you know, in D.C.'s case, the mayor and the police chief decided what they were going to do in advance and started ordering people to do those things. And, uh, you know, it, I wouldn't want to be in that situation as a cop either, because then you have to decide, gee, do I not pay my mortgage? Do I not pay my rent? Do I not feed my kids? Or, um, you yeah. know, do I do that and then have to deal with the consequences later? And uh that's not an easy decision for anyone to make. Yeah, it is right. That's a that's a good point, and I, I don't. But I mean, they're really these things are outrageous, and and somebody somebody should be held accountable and locked up. I mean, it, it's not. I mean, lose it, the, the police chief should lose his lose his, his or her job, and and. Probably go to prison for this. This yep. is a, it's a total outrage. Nah, he was. He's allowed to keep his job. <laughs> okay. Um, well, if there's a policeman out there who has um, uh, listening to the show who would like to chime in and defend the, the police, uh, we'll, we're op- the lines are open. You're welcome to give us a call at six two one nine seven two eight. Yeah, I mean, I think the the bigger point, you know, we're talking about like you're saying, you know, there should be some kind of objective way to keep video records. I mean, I did this with. Um, um, police cars for pullovers. In a lot of cities, the police vehicles have cameras mounted in the front under the hood, and they watch the whole. They you know they watch the whole incident, and all of that 
You know, it's got a timestamp on it. It's all admitted into the court record. And uh-huh. a lot of things, you know, a lot of problems that used to take place no longer take place. It it helps everyone stay honest. And I think, you know, who knows how you do this for protests, but, you know, if there was some way to make sure that the footage submitted, the video submitted were all, you know, objective and accurate, then I think that would go to end a lot of this because then, you know, you couldn't have the police chief ordering people to say, you know, you know, just tell them, you, you know, we'll just say later we gave you an order to disperse or we'll just say later they threw a bottle because there'd be a good record that no bottle was thrown, <laughs> you know, right. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the the, the the sort of this vi- this video documentary I was talking about, it, uh, it's, it's one of the reasons it's frightening is the way in which the police videos are focusing in on specific individuals. Where you focus in on the face, the shoes, uh, you know, zooming into these people to, to get their details so they can be identified later on. And if you take that and combine that with the whole issue of the, um, the whole issue of the, uh, the collection of the database, yeah, now and, we all and, know. and the fact that there they are in fact investigating and infiltrating organizations like the Thomas Merton Center here in Pittsburgh, which is a peace and justice center which has organized, it's completely open organization organizes demonstrations and as awards dinners and stuff like that um that they're they're focusing their effort on these completely benign organizations who are just exercising their constitutional rights to organize distribute literature to protest um and um stuff like that so you can see that this is all part of the same thing that they're watching these protesters, trying to figure out, identify people in those groups. They're infiltrating the Thomas Burton Center and other peace and justice organizations. Combine that with the NSA phone database. Well, what are they doing with that? Why, If they're interested in the Thomas Burton Center, why aren't they also, one would assume, also interested in tracking down the phone calls of all the Thomas Burton Centers and implicating anybody uh, who is talking to people who work for the Thomas Burton Center? So um, I really... Um, uh, it's it's it is a frightening thing that's, that's going on here with all of these different um, different uh, different events, different seem related sort of accumulation of information. So, um, do we have a call this time? I think we do. I think we got Chip on the line. Are you there, Chip? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, good. Uh, so uh, you said you wanted to talk about the um, uh, what we were saying about you know individual officers. Uh, you know, and, and, and people giving orders. Uh, um, right. Well, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, you mentioned a couple of specific incidents about uh, cops versus protesters. And um, one of you apparently was on, was at a protest and was arrested mm-hmm. and uh, indicated that a, that a specific officer came on the bus and said, oh, well, it's, you know, not something I want to be doing, but, you know, I'm doing it anyhow, and they're telling me to do this. Well, we should have learned back in World War II from the Nuremberg trials, hey, you get a bad order, you ignore it. And if you need to, you walk away from your job. And if you need to, you take down the police officers that are with you that are doing it, and you take down the senior officers that are also telling you to do it. And if you don't, then if you're an officer and you're going along with it because, oh, hey, that is that. Much a part of, not, you're as much of, of the problem as anybody else is, and maybe more so. Yeah, well, that's an interesting perspective. Um, the uh, 
that requires an enormous amount of courage as well as, uh, well, courage to take, you know, the act to act in the way you describe in the on the moment, but as well as you know, the risk of losing your job uh, and other other things like that. So I, while I, I, I mean, you, you definitely have a you, you definitely have a point, and where I where I start to, you know, where I start to have problems with this is, you know, then people have to start thinking, well, you know. Is it is it more moral for me to, for example, risk starving my kids or, um, you know, participate in, you know, a little bit of brutality or, you know, a little bit of abuse of a protester or, well, you know, you witness it's, that? There's no such thing as a little bit. Well, well, the officer that, that he's talking about may not have actually been the one spraying people's faces with pepper spray. Yeah, for or example. clubbing people in the head with their, yeah. their sticks. There may be... There are different levels of brutality. Uh, and I mean, I think if you were just a cop who was driving the bus, um, you're participating, but you're not actually hitting somebody. And, and you know, for example, the one who stepped on my bus, he actually, uh, he's, he's more valuable than, than, you know, it appears. You know, I got his badge number. Other people got his badge number. Uh, we took down what he said. We sent it to the uh, um, a group of lawyers who are uh, working on this case. And, uh They've used a lot of this in order to build a case. So, you know, someone like him, you know, you can't say, you know, it's, it, you know, not in the black and white sense is participating correct. But, you know, he was very helpful. And, you know, through what he did and what a lot of other officers did, their help, they helped us uh, make a case against the, against the D.C. police. And the lawyers who were working on this case already got the D.C. police to, um, you know, things aren't completely settled out yet, but... The uh, city council apologized. The city council set aside a large sum of money to, um, you know, help the protesters out. And more importantly, they came up with a list of rules that absolutely must be followed in every police case and every, you know, in every case where there's protests. And okay, so that that's a great outcome that 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 they could fix the problem at least. Yeah. So are you still there, Chuck? Yeah, I'm still here. So you know, they kind of helped from the inside so to speak. And, and, you know, that's not, that's not the ideal outcome, but you, you, you know, like I said, I, I, you know, for example, the, uh, the officer who dragged someone down the flight of steps, you know, that, that's totally that's gratuitous. Brutality. Yeah. That's right. just, that guy had to be fired. Yeah. There's a, another comment related to this. I have that, uh, I've heard Daniel Ellsberg, who was the guy who leaked the Pentagon papers on democracy now recently, for example, he's really trying to get people in the current administration to leak stuff, to leak documents, because he says, you've got to, this is how we're going to find out what's going on. This is how we're going to stop the the stuff that's happening. And those are the people who could really have an impact. Um, and, and there are, there's a, there's a guy who's coming up in the NSA wiretap case who's going to testify before Congress apparently tomorrow or something. That's right. Tice, what's his name? Yeah, Tice. I can't remember his first name, but Tice will be testifying tomorrow before the I think the Senate Intelligence Committee. I mean, I guess my my point, Chuck, is that if you're going to give up your career, do it for something that's going to have an impact. That's that's that would be, rather. I mean, if you've got a choice, anyway. Do you have anything else to say? Um, well, I, I mean, from one standpoint, I do agree. If you're going to make the stand, make the stand and make it work. Um, you know, the guy who got on the bus and who gave you the information and is helping to put together this case. That's a good thing. But at the same time, he also put his name, or at least he was claiming that he was putting his name on these arrest forms, uh, and assuming that that's what he actually did. 
Unfortunately, I think we're losing you here. Your cell phone or, or our equipment's cutting out. Um, so I think uh, you still there? Yeah, I think that's okay. Well, thank, yeah. thanks for thanks calling. for calling. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we just have a couple of minutes left. Um, we managed to talk our way through the pretty much the whole hour here. Um, there's just one little funny thing I just want to mention here at the end. Um, there was an article by one of my favorite organizations called Fair, um, www.fair.org which is a media, critical, media criticism organization. Uh, and they're constantly looking at the mainstream media as uh, sort of the, you know, the weird inconsistencies and, and propagation of lies and the, you know, the treatment of their, their refusal to speak truth to power and so on. One of the things that, that I just got today was this, um, and now a little bit comment about Tom Friedman, who's a very famous columnist for the New York Times who's got, um, you know, He's a very influential guy. He's considered a brilliant uh, analyst of foreign policy. He's written a bunch of books. Um, and so this little um, media advisory from FAIR uh, was pretty cool because it talked about one of the things that he's been saying lately is, um, in fact, they've analyzed some of the, something he's been saying actually for a long time. Um, so what he said on Chris Matthews' um, hardball show recently well first uh he got introduced by chris matthews uh with this you have a global brain my friend you're amazing you amaze me every time you write a book so chris matthews is fawning all over him this is generally the way he's treated by the mainstream media as some kind of a genius so it turns out that well he's saying that well things like for example in may may 11th this year he said well i think we're going to find out chris in the next year to six months probably sooner whether a decent outcome is possible there and I think we're going to have to just let this play out. And he's talking about Iraq. We have to let this play out for six months to a year. Well, that seems like a very wise thing to do, you know, to let it play out for, you know, for a while. Well, it turns out this is exactly what he's been saying for three years now. He say, he's been saying the same thing, six months to a year. He said it in November of um, 2003. He said it uh, in um, June of 2004, September to 2004, November 2004. Uh uh, September 2005, again in September 2005, um, December 2005. It, it just goes on like this. Every every time he's interviewed, he keeps saying the same thing about six months to a year. We have to, um, you know, this will be this will be clear whether we're having a civil war, whether this is going to work out well or not. Well, you know, after a while, you got to start saying, well, you know, that doesn't mean anything. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like saying, most of his columns. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, this is just an example of the way in which these guys are. Um, there, there just isn't any um, accountability at all. I mean, these guys go around; they've got this reputation to be for being brilliant foreign policy analysts, but nobody's actually looking at what they're saying and saying, "Well, you know, you said the same thing three years ago, and it wasn't true then, and it's not. Why should I believe you now?" Not because people like Chris Matthews are too busy uh, fawning all over them. <laughs> yeah. So this is just a, a very a beautiful example of, of the kind of ridiculous um, lack of of accountability we have. For our um, for our columnists, there's a great Matt Taibbi review of uh, Thomas Friedman's last book. Um, it was published in the New York Press a couple couple uh, about a year and a half ago. So if uh, any of you haven't seen it, you should uh, check it out. It's hilarious. It uh, you know pokes every hole you can in the book. Uh, 
Oh, it has a great comic to go with it about uh, Thomas Friedman's uh, mustache of enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I think we're about uh, about uh, give finishes our hour here. Um, thank you to uh, Matt Horniak for producing the show. No and problem. For uh, joining me on the air. I'm, I'm Danny Slater. It's been fun. Uh, join us in two weeks for another edition of Left Out. <laughs>